Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Thursday morning to you on this 14th of October. Earlier this week, we started talking about, well, actually, we started talking about it months ago, but we placed an emphasis earlier this week on the global supply chain, global supply chain disruptions. We're now hearing uh, and experiencing double-digit inflation. We are entering into a season of scarcity for some items. Um, Shelves are empty uh, in some places for some things. Uh, We have taken note of the forces driving basic inflation in the market. We have um, we've also noted, you know, right, there's a lack of trucks and a lack of truck drivers to get goods from ports to stores. And then there's a lack of people necessary to get the merchandise onto the shelves and out the door. Uh, I I described it earlier as, you know, this American life is really, really different than the American life that we were living just a few uh, months, certainly a couple of years ago. So American consumers are going to learn to ask a new set of questions. That means you and I uh, are not only going to be asking maybe those same questions, but we need to be the people as Christians who are prepared to help people answer the questions that they're asking, um, because for a lot of them, they're going to be asking questions for the very first time. So what do I really need? And what can I actually live without? And in where, in, in what or in whom do I place my hope? For lots of people, real scarcity, I mean, real genuine scarcity in terms of, well, let's face it, for a lot of people in America, the, the scarcity is only going to be like luxury items, luxury goods. Um, but they are used to having everything they want when they want it, exactly in the color that they want it. And if it is not exactly what they want um, for the manufacturer to replace it for free overnight. Now, that is not the world we live in anymore. I mean, we have neighbors who have literally never gone without anything that they have seen with their eyes and desired with their hearts. And had credit to pay for. So as Christians, um, I want us to be equipped for those conversations, not only personally, but those conversations in the culture. And for that, I'm going to invite us to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Let's allow God's Word to speak to us this morning about the times in which we live. So this is the Apostle Paul. The context is prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
And whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy worthy of praise, think about, concentrate on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul then says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, uh, at length, that you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And now that I'm speaking of being, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I, I say to that, amen. And, and then I invite us, let us take God at his word. Let us cultivate the spirit that lived in Paul, the spirit that lived in these fellow Christians who shared in one another's suffering and supplied for one another's needs. Paul bears witness to the truth that Christians can be content in plenty and in want. He also testifies to the provision that God made for him through the generosity of his brothers and sisters in Christ who had resources to share. So I don't know which side of that relationship you find yourself on this morning, um, but as we look down the road, we can all see a time coming when some of us um, are going to need material help. And others of us are going to be in a position to to share. So discontent is uh, is real, and it is multiplying. And discontent is sown in anxiety and fear, and it's it's already evident in a, a culture facing, you know, fearfully facing, uh, not being able to get some p- particular preferred gift for Christmas, uh, about which they don't know the Christ. So let us prepare ourselves for witness. I believe we are standing right on the edge of a field that has grown ripe for harvest, and we are the laborers that God has in place to use for such a time as this. So I am looking at a season of abundant harvest for the righteousness of God, even as the world looks at a period of scarcity. How do you see it? Up next, we've got Ben Johnson. He and I are going to talk about some of the headlines of the day. We'll be right back. This is my right. Hey, Ben Johnson is back, media reporter for Daily Wire. You can find him at dailywire.com. Ben, I want to talk about uh, religious freedom this morning, Uh, the difference between maybe how we feel when we hear church bells ringing across the city or the countryside versus how we feel uh, when we hear uh, the Muslim call to prayer from loudspeakers uh, on the top of a mosque. Yeah, it's it's a big psychological switch, uh, obviously, for those of us who were raised in the faith. 
uh, when we hear church bells, you know, we uh, those of us who uh, maybe were raised in a, a tradition where church bells would call you to to pray yourself. Uh, that's that's one thing. But the the church bells, of course, just ring out and they, they have a nice, pleasant sound. Uh, sometimes they play a little hymn of some kind, but uh, they don't have any words associated with them. The call to prayer uh, is much different. And of course, the reason this is germane uh, is that a city in Germany, Cologne, Germany, has has said that uh, you can broadcast the call to prayer throughout the entire city in some of these mosques. Uh, of course, that leaves them, I think, two decades behind certain areas in Detroit where they've been doing that for a very long time. And again, I think that the difference here uh, really is is a substantive difference because bells don't contain a message. You know, you can ring bells all over the place, and it, sometimes they'll even play a little a hymn of some kind, uh, the old rugged cross or something, or Ave Maria. But uh, unless you happen to know the hymn, uh, and you are meaning you are a part of of the church, uh, then you don't know what the message is. You just know that it's a pleasant tune. Uh, and of course, you know some of our some of our hymns are even old traditional folk songs, like uh, Green Sleeves, for example, being incorporated into a, a Christian hymn. So uh, you you might misunderstand even what's being communicated by those bells. The call to prayer is incredibly specific. Uh, it says specifically that God has no son. Uh, that he does not beget and is not begotten, and therefore specifically denies the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as every other non-Muslim religion. So uh, it's it's a much different message, and it, both are being broadcast, everyone within sound. So one of them is is simply calling people and, and uh, uh, you know, is used as a chime, usually at the top of the hour, to let people know that the hour has changed. And another one is spreading the message of Islam. So it is a conversation about religious freedom, um, religious expression, freedom of speech. And I think it's also a, a conversation about not only how times are changing, but how uh, the constituency of particular communities is changing as well. If you live in parts of Minneapolis, this is not new to you. You are uh, you have you started hearing uh, the Muslim call to prayer over loudspeakers um, in, in particular communities in Minneapolis this spring. Um, as Ben mentioned, if you live in Detroit, you've been hearing it now for uh, 14 years, I think. Um, it was new this season in San Bernardino, California, um, and other places uh, across the United States where um, this is already taking place. It's it's new for Germany, and so that's what spiked it in the headlines of this particular day. Um, Ben, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, um, I'd love to talk with you. I mean, media and media coverage, media reporting is um, is one of your areas of expertise. I'm interested to hear your reactions to how the media covered a ministry story, Teen Challenge, um, in The New Yorker. So that conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Throw me like a stone in the water. Watch the mud rise up. Dress me like a lamb for the slaughter. Pour me in your... All right, joining us uh, again this morning as every Thursday, our friend Ben Johnson. You can find him at dailywire.com. We're going to get to something that... Uh, that Ben's working on as 136 nations signed an agreement for a global minimum tax uh, in the same at the same period of time that there is a growing cooperation in the development of central bank digital currencies. Yeah, those are conversations people are going to want to have. I want to touch on this story about Teen Challenge. Um, you cover media, 
uh, and the way media works and covers things for Daily Wire. And full disclosure, Teen Challenge is a ministry partner of Faith Radio. I just wanted to hear you uh, react and respond, Ben, to the New Yorker's, I don't know, kind of a hit piece on Teen Challenge. Yeah, I, I would classify it as a hit piece, and I was not aware of the the uh, partnership, but it certainly doesn't affect my uh, analysis in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I would have the exact same reaction regardless of what the ministry is. This is a hit piece. Uh, they go in, they, they take the uh, story of one teenage girl who was a troubled teenage girl. Of course, the, uh, the ministry uh, does its very best to take troubled teens from around the world inculcate in them a relationship with Jesus Christ, good habits so they have coping skills, then go out and make the best of their God-given talents and abilities. They have helped countless children and teenagers throughout the years, and in some cases adults throughout the years. Uh, And that ministry has been going on 51 years, founded by David Wilkerson of the Cross and the Switchblade fame. And they, they take one person who had a negative reaction they found others. Out of those thousands upon thousands, they found people who said they had a negative experience there. And you can get the agenda as you go through. You know, you have to you have to read with a, a certain antenna that are very sensitive to this, but you can get the agenda. Uh, first of all, of course, it contains the mandatory reference to The Handmaid's Tale. I wish these people mm. would learn to, to read some other literary reference into their into their writing. Uh, but then after, there's a very telling paragraph about two-thirds of the way into the piece, they have one sentence where they say, a lawyer denies everything. And, and they list everything mm. that they, they've listed in the entire story. So, uh, you know, they, they give one sentence to the other side of this, that, that and, and they mention that uh, later on, after a paragraph or two paragraphs of allegations, uh, they, they note that, by the way, a sheriff's department looked into this and they found absolutely no evidence. So the, the most telling line in here, though, was there are no federal laws or agencies regulating these centers, which mm. tells you what they're going for. Uh, and if you pair that with another uh, story that we had looked at uh, in the Denver Post, uh, there was an, now that one thankfully was an op-ed. It was not uh, posing as news coverage as this one is. But there is a concerted effort to deprive churches and religious organizations of their tax-exempt status because this big government agenda needs money. And uh, just and and also we should we should understand that uh, when it comes to things like they're beginning to strip away Hyde Hyde Amendment protections, they're talking about uh, teaching transgenderism in the schools. Churches have officially sort of become the enemy when it comes to the cultural front. And the exact same thing happened in the early days of the Bolshevik Revolution. I don't want to equate the two in any way. I'm simply saying that the same steps took place under the same guise. There was a famine when the Bolsheviks took over Russia caused by their collectivist farming policies. But the first thing that Lenin did was to seize church wealth. And he had a a campaign saying that churches had lots of money, they had lots of food, and they were hoarding it all. And so we need to get a hold of that for the good of the people. And privately, he wrote these memos that this is the chance to crush our enemies. And that's precisely what he did, of course, for the next 70 years. So uh, this this is more than just uh, an expose or a, a piece about a troubled teen this is about uh, enacting uh, an agenda to strip Christians of their wealth, their ability to affect the culture, their ability to help people in ways that the welfare state and the juvenile detention center never will. We have a, um, a listener observing, um, you know, that these 
these papers, these news outlets don't feel like they're news outlets um, so much as, you know, they are they are opinion. They are sources now of of slantedness is her word. I like the word slantedness, Um, disqualify, you know, disqualifying them as real journalists. I do have a concern, Ben, that it is increasingly difficult um, to identify and rely upon news as news. And so, you know, I think that when you say you have to have your um, your antenna up, I talk or having a really sensitive antenna. I talk about having a really fine filter. Um, so mm-hmm. I think those are those are similar ways of describing the same issue. I want to get to this conversation about a global minimum tax, because I suspect there are a lot of people who have not heard about this. Um, and I know that you have been looking into it. So talk with us about uh, a global agreement for a global minimum tax. It's kind of a, an eye-opening story, uh, very unusual. 136 nations around the world agreed to a framework that uh, was was drawn up by a group called the OECD, which are basically the wealthier nations of the world, that they would tax corporations at no less than 15%. Now, we already tax more than that, but other countries like Ireland and, and Hungary tax less. And the idea is if everyone voluntarily agrees not to tax less than a certain amount, then it doesn't matter where the corporations go. They can't get a better tax deal. And that sort of acts in the favor of high-tax nations. It punishes low-tax nations. It discourages business formation in those countries. And it deprives them of what would be a multiplying revenue. If you have more businesses, even at a lower rate, you get more revenue. But uh, that this ends that. It has a really controversial feature that... If, for example, uh, there's a U.S.-based corporation that goes to Ireland and uh, Ireland charges 12.5% tax, if if they charge less than 15%, then the nation where that's headquartered can charge the rest and take that money overseas. So if an American-based company is operating in Ireland and they charge less than 15%, they charge 12%, we can charge an extra 3% on sales in Ireland. And so it's 15% anywhere. It's, it's a bizarre uh, sort of sovereignty-destroying mechanism that's built into this agreement, uh, but very, very peculiar. And uh, this, this is being uh, – Jen Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, said she is confident that uh, the Democratic Congress is going to place this in the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that they're talking about passing, which would allow it to pass through Congress with uh, simply a party-line vote, you know, not a okay, single Republican you... vote. Mm-hmm. It... So I want to talk about, I, you know, I need another 10 minutes. Um, uh, when you kind of say, I know, when you say sovereignty destroying mechanism, um, I know that that is ringing some bells uh, for folks who are, uh, who are with us in this conversation. Um, sovereignty destroying mechanism sounds like, you know, we're not really a nation making our own decisions. We've really become more of a global collective. And that is going to freak people out, Ben. Yeah, and and I should say, I mean, there there is uh, there's this is a vol- quote unquote voluntary agreement. So if you sign on to it, then you're voluntarily agreeing to let other countries do this. So they would say, well, you made a sovereign decision to allow other countries to do this. But what country in the world outsources the amount that it, uh, its businesses are allowed to be taxed? What business in the world outsources its policy? And what business allows for, mm. uh, what what nation I should say allows foreign countries? to reach into their treasury and take money from their businesses or take money from their people. 
and you know, prevent the formation of business, prevent the formation of capital, prevent uh, what would lead to more people being employed, greater human flourishing in the country. It's, it's curious, uh, to say the least, why anyone would agree to this, unless you're looking at it from the other perspective, which is you are looking to maximize government taxation and you want to make sure that there is no one who competes with you and no no corporation can go anywhere in the world without you reaching in and taking that money so it doesn't matter where they're based they're going to give up at least this percentage uh, and it's it's highly concerning you know to me that you would have one nation taxing sales elsewhere in uh, in a way that uh, the governments uh, sort of sort of uh, do, uh, work this out in order to maximize their their take. Okay, um, we don't have time to talk about what's behind the economic surveillance proposed uh, in the reconciliation bill, where you know any transaction over six hundred dollars would be potentially scrutinized by the IRS. But I think that has something to do with a new rule, um, a new tax rule related to um, 1099s and and the threshold for issuing them. Um, so I want to talk about that in the future. I also would like to make an assignment. because I am your student. I don't really want myself to have to study the BIS, which is apparently the central bank of central banks. I didn't even know that beyond central banks there was a bank. So I'm going to need to know more about the BIS, and then I'm going to need to know about the move toward uh, the development of central bank digital currencies. Apparently, we're going to all move away from paper and coins, um, and and so they won't be crypto because they'll be controlled by central banks. So I'm going to need to know more about that. Can I make can I make that assignment to you? Absolutely, and there's nothing concerning about that whatsoever. Put all no, fear out of no- your mind. Nothing concerning about that whatsoever. All right. That's Ben Johnson. He's going to go take a look at all of the things that would worry us if we were prone to worry. Thank you, man. We really appreciate it. You guys can find Ben at dailywire.com. He's the rights writer. We'll be right back. All right. It is fall. Autumn has arrived. How do I know? Well, People who play baseball uh, think there is an end coming to their season. People who play football are now back on the field. Uh, Leaves are falling from the trees. The days are getting perceptibly shorter. And in some places, there is a chill in the air. I mean, in some places, there's already been snow. Uh, And I don't know if you've noticed this, but everything, everything tastes like pumpkin spice. I mean, that's for good or for ill, depending on your perspective. But everything tastes like pumpkin spice. And spiders. There's lots of spiders. I've seen them. All right. So how do you feel about all that? Fall, autumn, the season of autumn is actually uh, people's favorite season of the year. I'm wondering if you are feeling any different this fall. I, I perceive a heaviness in the world. I feel a pall this fall. Maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's a sense of foreboding. Either way. How do we pray when we feel the fall? We're going to talk with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force about that next. Ever wish your daughter would knock off all the chatter, chatter, chatter and quit all the silly, dramatic girl talk? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. If your daughter is a drama queen, let me challenge you to do something counterintuitive. 
Stop, listen, and be grateful that she's sharing with you. Listening to your team can go a long way in developing a strong relationship. If your team becomes a little annoying when she shares openly with you and you miss it by checking your email or zoning out, your team may quit sharing altogether. Be thankful your daughter is spilling her thoughts with you. Continue to build trust with her. Don't miss out. So mom, dad, hang in there. Your drama queen needs you to listen. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. Our friend Kathy Branzell is back. Kathy, happy fall. Happy fall. Good morning. Good morning. See, that seems weird to say. Seems weird to say, right? Like autumn is everyone's favorite season. Um, yes. yes. And, and yet autumn also, as days get shorter and nights get longer and you live in a time when there's scarcity and there's scary things, um, it feels different this year. Can you talk a little bit with us about praying I mean, how do we live the care, care, the prayer, care, share lifestyle? How do we, how do we even do the first part? How do we pray when we're really feeling the fall? And there I'm going obviously back to Genesis, but um, talk with us just a little bit about this season we're in. Oh my goodness. Um, This is perfect timing. I love when the spirit talks to both of us and says, Hey, you two talk about this Um, because God's been doing a deep dive with me on this particular subject about feelings versus fruit. Mm. So I, I, I had to just stop and recognize, um, I, I, there's probably at least one listener out there that can identify with what I'm about to say. I had to start fighting myself to leave my house, to get out, to go do. Um, I had gotten very comfortable in this isolation mode, this quarantine mode, this, you know, safer at home idea. And I realized um, that the enemy was using it to keep me from moments that matter, because we know that God doesn't waste a single moment of our life. And, and when I'd rather just stay home, uh, even if I was productive at home working constantly at home, but uh, not going and being with people, forsaking the fellowship, whatever it was, I was missing the mission and the blessing of the moment. And, um, and so I was hearing myself say, I feel this. I don't feel like doing that. And God took me on a deep dive in scripture to remind me that I'm to be fruitful, not fearful, fretful, fatigued, all those other things that come from feelings. And the difference is when my heart, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we give our heart to Jesus. I I don't think it's a coincidence that that's first. When my heart, which many would say is the center place of our feelings, But when my heart is plugged into the Holy Spirit, when I put on that helmet of salvation and align my mind, everything I think, feel, and do, 
with him, with my Savior and my salvation, when my heart's plugged into the, the Spirit, I'm fruitful. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things that the counterfeit of, we could call feelings. Oh, I don't feel peaceful. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel love. I don't love you anymore. We've even heard, sadly, people say that. That's when our heart is plugged into the flesh, to the culture, to the circumstances around us. And so it may be that we've plugged into the wrong place at the wrong time, and we need to start praying, Holy Spirit, connect my heart fully to you and show me the fruitfulness in this day that I could accomplish the assignment for this day. Yeah, I think that the direct invitation to start praying in specific ways is so helpful. Yeah. So um, recognizing the Spirit's presence uh, seems essential at the beginning of that. Um, recognizing the desire of God to work in my life today and that that requires me to yield, to submit, um, to invite the Holy Spirit to work within me, that I'm, that I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to cooperate with you today. As hard as it's going to be, as contrary as that is to the way I'm feeling, I, I am going to cooperate. With, I commit to cooperating with you today, to yielding to your work. You're the one who knows at what point I could be brought today into greater, into greater conformity with who Christ is. And so I'm going to submit to that. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even necessarily know what I'm praying. But you know, right. you know what, uh, you know, what fruit um, you desire most to produce in and through me for my good and for the good of others and for the advancement of the kingdom. And so today, if it's kindness or self-control or peace or patience or love or joy, whatever it is, I want more of that. And yes. in order to have more of that, I need you to have more control of me. I don't want to miss a blessing. You yeah. know, um, take, take into account what's fighting you, um, fear, anxiety, um, exhaustion. And, and I, want to, I want to stop here for a moment because um, working from home, it may be that you are working yourself to death that you haven't put up boundaries in your house from where your workspace ends and your life, family life begins or where your work day ends and your rest of the day evening begins. And so if that's because there are people who are exhausted at home. Um, I just came off the road. I've been on the road for six weeks. It's why I'm a week late with you guys. So thank you for that grace. I did not want to miss this month with you, but, um, if you have somehow been tricked into thinking that rest stops progress, that's a lie. Jesus rested. Uh, if if you want to if you want a great model, just go to the Gospels and see how Jesus lived his life. It's a biography of of what he did, how he did it, what he said, and we follow not only his mandates and obedience, but his model. And Jesus would get away. And he would rest. And so if, if Satan has lied to you and said, you can't stop, you can't rest, that's sin, that's a lie. Because rest does not stop progress. It's a vital part of the process to success. Mm. So I want to say that again, because sometimes we're just exhausted. Rest does not stop progress. 
It's a vital part of the process to success. But then beyond that, if you're finding yourself having to fight to get out and do something, uh, the, the scripture I keep reciting over and over to myself is Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And again, it, it's the putting on the helmet of salvation that says, Lord, align my entire life, everything I think, my attitude, what I say, what I do, in the fact of my Savior and my salvation. And when you start looking through the lens of your Savior and your salvation, with everything else going on in the world, it goes strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, to quote that great hymn. Um, and so just uh, that that's... Uh, that's a great motivation right there. Mm -hmm. It's a heart response. It's a life response to say, I don't want to miss a moment of this great life you've authored for me, this great assignment that you've given me for today. I don't want to miss a blessing. And so onward, Christian soldier. All right, Kathy, when we come back, let's um, let's continue this conversation and let's pivot slightly, recognizing that, you know, we as Christians are the people who know the truth um, who see the light even in the midst of uh, of a cultural day and time when many, many others do not. So I want to talk with you when we come back about how we as people of joy and light walk with people in seasons of uh, of lament and darkness. All right, that conversation mm -hmm. up next. We're talking with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find them at nationaldayofprayer.org. We'll be right back. No, I'm All right, we're talking with Kathy Branzell, our friend from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find resources from the task force at nationaldayofprayer.org. Kathy, um, I'll just make the observation that we as Christians are people of light. We are people of joy, um, but we are resident aliens. We are living in the midst of a people and a day of darkness and fear. So how do we walk, um, how do we walk with a culture in its season of grief and lament? Hmm. Um, well, especially right now, in a culture that is hurting and helpless and hopeless, we have to walk uh, with a tender heart. Um, that's been my prayer. Lord, don't let my heart get hard. Uh, keep me from being offendable. Uh, don't let me run into... A, a fool argues with a fool. I don't want to add to someone's pain um, or play their game right now. And so uh, set your mind, uh, resolve before you even leave the house, or some of us resolve before you even get out of bed, that you're um, going to live in the light and be the light today. You're going to be the difference. You're going to be that smile instead of that scowl um, that somebody remembers all day. We've talked before about how you change the chemistry, the physical chemistry of another human being by just smiling at them. Hmm. Um, de just determine, like I said, it's, it's a resolve and, and be steadfast in that resolve that you're going to be light and you're going to rush in to, 
your kitchen table, your office, your school, wherever you're going today, the gym, shopping, and, and um, you know, even if you want to count it, if you want to turn it into gaming, you know, uh, treasures that you're collecting all day long, um, determine that you're going to go and be the light, that you're going to be that word of kindness, that you're going to bring fruitfulness into every situation and every conversation. Um, I like the I like the gaming reference. If we were going to kind of game it out, the collecting of treasures, right, all day long. Um, when we when we think of uh, prayer, I have a friend um, who would talk about you know like um, strategically like aiming at someone like with their eyes, setting you mm-hmm. know setting their heart in that direction and praying a prayer and, yep. and, and visualizing that prayer going going out obviously to God, but that it's going out with an effect, with an actual effect on that person and the situation and and, and what's happening. Um, but there's a there's a line from my prayer, not only to the ear and the heart of God, but there's a line from my prayer to the person I have in focus um, right. at the time. And I think that's that's a good way of um, maybe visualizing as well. I mean we do walk by faith and not by sight. But visualization is a really cool gift that God has given us um, in terms of uh, seeing spiritual realities that, you know, obviously are not physically uh, evident. Right, right. I mean, you can literally go out and change the world today because uh, um, God made it clear to me that complaining and grumbling never changed anything, but my prayers can change everything. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, yeah. that's so help, helpful. All right, you have um, a really um, excellent post uh, at the National Day of Prayer website, nationaldayofprayer.org, um, about being uh, being built up in the fullness of Christ. So talk with us about Ephesians chapter 4. Mm, yeah, um, just uh, thinking about how the world is trying to tear us down um, right now. And, and just refuse, understand that you are deeply rooted, understand that um, God has established, he's authored your days, he um, has established you for such a time as this and such a place where you are and what you're doing and the experiences that you've had in your education. Think about all the deep roots um, that God has planted and nurtured in you and now you're being built up. Uh, don't let society stunt your growth, um, but but just know and the whole idea of he is the vine and you are the branches, that branches grow. And, um, you know, Carmen, I think about you and how, how uh, branches grow. They wrap around one another and hold one another up. They strengthen one another so the branch doesn't break as it grows. And you're that kind of person. You are wrapped around so many people. Everyone at Faith Radio is like, you know, the branch that wraps around my life, speaks life into my life um, so that as I grow, there's, there's strength, there's support. And so think about those that God's put around you. Be that person that God's put around you and to realize that even in a season of fall, as we watch, first of all, take in the beauty of the leaves, take in the beauty of of all that fall is 
But then as you watch the trees go barren and things, remember that that is an important time of the vine of the tree in order for it to be beautiful and fruitful um, in the spring, that there is still process going on in that. And that tree, that vine is being built up. And so are you um, for a season of beauty and fruitfulness um, and that there's beauty in the barrenness. Mm. You probably already know this, but um, the root system of an aspen tree isn't just the root system of one tree. It's a right. it's a living organism of a uh, of an entire um, system Orchards. of trees, and we have been using that um, illustration uh, in our conversations together at Faith Radio as a team. Um, and so, when you talk about the branches being intertwined and um, and working together and mutual support, uh, all to the glory of God and um, that you 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 struck a you struck a nerve there because that's an image that we've already been um, been working with uh, internally. So there you go. There's the Lord again bringing both of us to the same place um, through His Spirit, and that is pretty cool. That's really cool. Mm. Galatians six nine, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. That's my prayer for you today. Amen. Amen. I'll echo that right back. Kathy Branzell, what a joy always to talk with you. Thank you, my sister. You can find uh, Kathy and lots of wonderful resources at nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. Where in the word are you today? Let me encourage you if you're looking for a place to be. Uh, we have uh, We have talked during this hour about Philippians chapter 4 being a good place to be. We've also talked about the book of Galatians and the list of the fruits in the fifth chapter there. Um, Where in the word are you today? Be sure you are in the word before you seek to get out into the world that God so loves. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Peter Kapsner will be here. We're going to cover some, um, you know, some of the headlines out of the sports world We're also going to uh, talk a little bit about pastors and what's going on among them. And then Lathan Kraft will be here. We're going to, he's a young man. He's um, a really influential, uh, wide-ranging ministry. And um, we're going to talk with him a little bit, not only about his own life experience, but ours as well, and the way we can press into the purpose of God in our lives. All right, friends, um, thank you for being here this first hour. Love being with you. Let's get uh, prepared to be the ambassadors of the king and the kingdom. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.